even as the beginning of that last song said, before Christmas, the voice of God had been unheard for 400 years. Heaven was silent. Life was very routine and at the very same time very depressing for the Jewish people because 60 years earlier, Rome had taken over the kingdom of Judah and occupied the land of Israel. And for most Jews, all hope was all but gone. All was very dark. We talked about it in Sunday school. It looked like God's promises could not come true. His promise to Abraham to through him make a great nation and then bless the whole world. It seemed like there was no way because the nation had crumbled and Rome was in charge. And then it happened. And then, in the moment when it seemed like it couldn't happen, the light shone. You see, Christmas had to happen for us to see the light of the world. Without the coming of Jesus, without the incarnation, where God became man, we would have remained in our blindness without any hope. And it's just like God to get things so that there's no other way but a miracle. To situate things so that, humanly speaking, it cannot happen so he can show that, in fact, it is he. It is God who keeps his promises. There are three truths that I want you to see this morning that we must embrace afresh this Christmas. As we think about the passage that we read just a few minutes ago, the first truth is this, Jesus is God. This thing we celebrate called Christmas is the birth of God into humanity. John 1, 1, we read it earlier, in the beginning was the Word. We know from context, he's speaking here of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God. That's plain. Before time began, when God was beginning to do his creative work, Christ, God the Son, was there with God the Father, but God the Son was there and God the Son, Jesus pre-incarnate, was and is God. Colossians 1 verse 15 says of Jesus, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. You can't see the Father. God is spirit and has not a body like man. And yet, in the person of Jesus, you can see the fullness of the Godhead, the Bible says, dwelling bodily. Why is that important? Why did the Savior of the world have to be God in the flesh? Hebrews 7, verses 26 to 28 tell us, such a high priest truly meets our 
need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. A description of Jesus. Unlike the other high priest, that is the, the high priest of the nation of Israel, the Jewish high priest there at the temple in Jerusalem, unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. For the law appoints as high priest men in all their weaknesses. They're just men who die. But the oath, God's oath, which came after the law, appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. For he is the one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners as God incarnate, exalted above the heavens as God become man. Jesus is God. J.I. Packer says, Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as is this truth of the incarnation. And this morning, this Christmas season, you have to do something with this truth. Tim Keller says either he is or is God or he isn't. So he's absolutely crazy or he's infinitely wonderful. Which is it for you? You see, God incarnate is an able Savior, pure and powerful, to pay the penalty of our sins and be victorious over sin's power for us. This is Jesus. Jesus is God. But secondly, this morning, Jesus is man. John 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh. God the Son, pre-incarnate, existent for all of eternity past, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John said, in Jesus, God changed it up. Throughout the history of Israel, God had tabernacled among men, right? When you read the Old Testament history, you see that God, the tent of meeting, it was a portable tabernacle. It was a, a movable and, 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 and kind of a, a precursor to the temple. It, it moved around with the people and it was in that tent of meeting, that tabernacle behind the curtain that, that the presence of God dwelt with men. And then there was the temple, with its holy of holies where the presence dwell over the ark of the covenant between the cherubim hovering over the mercy seat of almighty God. It was there that he tabernacled, he dwelt with men. And it was only once a year that the high priest and only the high priest after doing all the spiritual backflips and cleanses and, and, and everything else hoping to survive the encounter one time a year he got to go in and to the very presence of the living God. And John says, at Christmas, the Word became flesh and dwelt. Tabernacled is the Greek word there, among us. He set up camp. He made his presence known right here among us. And even as we talked about Ava a few minutes ago, right here, in the tabernacle of our hearts, what? A story. 
is this Christmas truth. Now, why? Why did the Savior have to be God in the flesh? We answered the question, why did he have to be God? Now, why did he have to be God in the flesh? God become man. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, also chapter 4, or verse 14 and following. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, speaking of his time here on earth, speaking of his time in the flesh, now crowned with glory and honor. Why? How did, that, how did he get to the place of glory? Because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone, all of humanity. Since the children have flesh and blood, that's you and me, he too shared in their humanity so that, here's the reason, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You want a you phrase that describes the human condition apart from Jesus, the world over? It is the living in the fear of death. That's where all humanity is before they, we know Christ. Doesn't matter what culture you go to, it's always there. Living under the, the, just the doom and the gloom of the fear of death. And Jesus came to break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. For this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like them, like us, fully human in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. You see, Jesus had to be man so that he might taste death for us, so that he might truly be our substitute. Had he just been a spirit being God but not really in flesh? then he couldn't really and truly be our substitute, could he? He wouldn't know what it's like to be man. He couldn't understand and identify, and he, and he couldn't truly and honestly, before Almighty God and, and, and a watching world, he couldn't really be a substitute for us because he wouldn't have been like us, but he came in all ways like us that he might be a merciful and faithful priest in service to God, and that he might truly, as one of us, make atonement, not for any sins of his own, but for our sins. It had been lambs up to that point, and other sacrifices there in the temple, animal sacrifices, but they were animals. It wasn't man for man. You follow me? The substitution wasn't equal. It was a picture of, as John would later say, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And and it wasn't just for a year. It was once for all. Furthermore, Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Do you understand? You can never say to Jesus, you just don't get where I'm at. 
you know, Jesus, this whole dying to save me thing, that's great. But you just don't get my life. You can't understand this circumstance. You can't identify with what I'm going through right now. The Bible tells us, oh, yes, he can. And that's what makes him so beautiful. Not only did he become man so he could be a true substitute, he became man so he could walk in your shoes and so he knows your struggle. And he's overcome every temptation you've ever faced. He feels, he's felt what you feel. So when you go to him, he gets you. He gets your deal. He understands what you're facing. He's felt what you felt. Now you say, you mean in every single detail? Well, obviously not. He lived a different life than you lived. The point is, as, as a human, you know, the reality is our circumstances have particulars to them, but the reality is the human experience is pretty much the same across the board, just different details, right? We all experience the same sorts of things, and, and Jesus has been through every sort of thing that you have been through and that you're in right Now, you can run to a priest like that. You can go to a Savior like that. You ought to want to pray to a God like that. He loved you just that much. God in the flesh is an able Savior because he was a true substitute for us and he is empathetic with us. Jesus is God. Jesus is man. Thirdly, Jesus revealed salvation to man. He showed us how to know God. John 1 verse 14, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, verse 18, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. That's the mystery of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's this perfect communion with God the Son, Jesus, and God the Father, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him, God the Father, known to us. He came and he brought grace and truth. He came and he told us the truth. You, because of sin, every one of us here, the world of humanity is separated from God because of sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? And God is holy. He's glorious. And we don't match up. He's the thrice holy, 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 Isaiah said, God. He's that pure. And so there's bad news first. We all fall short, and the wages of sin from a holy God is death. Hell forever. Separation in this life from God, no fellowship with him here on earth, and no hope for eternity with him. And yet Jesus came to tell us the good news. That while we were yet sinners, in that place of bad news, separated from God because of sin. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christmas happened. You didn't order Christmas. Christmas happened before we knew what it was. Christmas came. You ever thought about this? I was thinking about this this week. I was talking to one of the guys this week. Before it was all said and done, today the whole world, this, this week, this month, the whole world's talking about this story, right? But think about that night, that day, 
Who knew? Just a handful. For, for a little while, just several, right? It came when we were looking for it. Christ came while we were still sinners, while the world was, was still running in the opposite direction 100 miles an hour. While we were yet sinners, Christ came and he grew up to be a man who died for us. Jesus came to tell us that truth and give us that grace so that now if we trust in him, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life in Jesus Christ by trusting him. We lose those wages and gain that gift, eternal life in him. John 3.16 puts it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As John said it, no one's ever seen God but the one and only Son. He has made him known. And he's come to man to tell us the truth about ourselves and God and to tell us the story, the message, the good news of grace through Jesus Christ. Through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Jesus came to show us that sinful mankind could become the sons and daughters of God through the grace of God and Jesus on life, death, and resurrection as the perfect Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, God become man. You see, if the Son of God hadn't become the Son of Man, then the sons and daughters of men would have no hope of ever becoming the sons and daughters of God. Have you seen his glory? Do you know Jesus today? Clara sang it earlier. He has come for us. This Jesus. He's the hope for all mankind. He has come for us. He's come for you, if you don't know him today. The Messiah, born to give us life. Christmas is all about his birth to give you life. He came for you. Tim Keller says the incarnation is the universe sundering, history-altering, life-transforming, paradigm-shattering event of history. This is Christmas. What will you do with the coming of God as a man to save? What will you do with him? He came to save you. Don't let this Advent season, season, this Christmas time, get by without you embracing the reason he came. Let's pray together.